Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and welcome to Life, Death and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and perhaps until today called myself a medium, but we'll discuss that on today's show. Uh, And here we explore life, death, consciousness and what it all means. I've been really looking forward to this interview for quite some time. Today I have Mark Anthony, JD on the show. JD is Juris Doctor. My husband always says I'm a doctor too. So we we argue about that. Um, he is the psychic explorer, aka the psychic lawyer, and the author of the Afterlife Frequency, his new book, Never Letting Go, and Evidence of Eternity. He is an Oxford educated attorney, world-renowned psychic, national recognized legal analyst headline speaker at international conferences and universities, and favorite guests on TV and radio shows. He co-hosts The Psychic and the Doc on Transformation Network and is a regular columnist for Best Holistic Life magazine. You can visit him online at afterlifefrequency.com. Welcome, Mark, to the show. Thank you, Amy. It's an honor to be here. Thanks so much, as always, for tuning in and listening to the podcast. Each episode costs more than you might think. Software tools to make graphics, write my newsletter, audio equipment and engineering, subscriptions to syndicate across Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, it all adds up. In order to stay a sane mom of three school-age kids, I obviously have help producing this podcast. I have help creating it. I have help with a lot because I'm a big believer in asking for help. Um, But all of this comes out of my pocket. So if possible, I would like to continue to keep my podcast ad-free, which means I would love for your help contributing. If just 10% of my listeners contributed on Patreon, I would be able to cover all of the costs of this podcast. So I totally recognize that not everybody can contribute. And what I can ask you to do if you can't is to follow me on social media to rate and review the podcast. And you can do that anywhere that you listen to your podcast. There's three little dots on Apple Podcasts where you can go to any episode and rate and review. Um, Also pass the podcast along. Your recommendations are what keeps the podcast alive and keeps the podcast going. So if you feel so compelled to contribute, it would really mean a lot to me. You can do that on Patreon. Uh, Just go to patreon.com and put in Dr. Amy Robbins. Also, please follow me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins, at just Dr. Amy Robbins. Uh, Feel free to send me any emails at team at dramyrobbins.com. And just reach out. I love hearing from you. And I love hearing how the podcast is impacting your life. So here we go with today's episode. So another incredible episode that went well over the time I usually allot for my podcast. So this episode will also air in two parts. Part one will be this Thursday. Part two, we haven't decided yet, either next Monday or next Thursday, depending on our mood. Um, But either way, please, please just this episode is so great. I know that you will all love it. There's so much richness to it. There's so much depth to the, the, the meeting of science and spirituality. It is 
it is sort of the epitome of um, what I love my podcast to be. So go ahead. And here is part one of my interview with Mark Anthony. So I'm excited for this conversation because you really in this book are able to do exactly what I'm always trying to do on this show, which is merge the science and the spiritual. So tell us how you came to this work, because I don't think they teach this based on my husband's knowledge of these things. I'm pretty sure they don't teach it in law school. No, they certainly do not. But any good trial lawyer, like any good first responder or anyone in the military knows to trust your intuition, trust your gut. And, you know, bringing it down to to everybody, you know, Amy, we've all heard the term women's intuition. You know, in some circles, it's kind of a joke, but it's a very real thing. And, you know, guys say, well, you know, guys never want to call themselves intuitive or sensitive, but if you frame it in instinct, then all of a sudden it becomes very Samuel L. Jackson, very Harrison Ford, very Chris Pratt. And the thing is, when you trust your gut, when you trust your feelings, it's it's not some woohoo, airy, fairy coincidence. What you're doing is you are actually tuning into a vibrational frequency about a possible dangerous situation, and it's giving you information. So there is a lot more to so-called women's intuition and gut instinct than meets the eye. So you come from a family of psychics. Yes. Even though they weren't practicing psychics. Correct. Um, so tell us a little about what they did and then how your NDE at four helps inform your experiences. Both my parents had psychic and mediumistic abilities, and it runs in both sides of the family for generations. My mother's family came from Italy, and they looked at this as a gift from God. They called it the gift of second sight. And my mother was extremely gifted as was her maternal grandmother, Giovanna. In fact, um, in the Italian community of North New Jersey and um, Little Italy in New York City, and I always like to to joke, it's like Tony Soprano's stomping grounds. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She was known as the, the woman who knows things. And people would come to her for her insights, um, Officials from the Catholic Church, we're talking nuns, priests, bishops, even cardinals, would go to consult with her. And in 2016, PBS did a special called The Italian Americans. It was a two-night special. I think it was over four hours. They actually did an entire segment on my maternal great-grandmother, Giovanna, referencing her psychic abilities. And it was such an honor to see that. And I remember on the commercial breaks, you know, my cousins were all calling and texting each other like, oh, my God, did you see that? Um, you know, because we knew that that it was coming because, uh, you know, they talked to to members of the family. And, and so my dad was a U.S. Navy SEAL. And after he got out of the Navy, he was a NASA engineer. And he was a medium and he had three sisters and a brother. And one of his sisters, Marjorie, had these abilities, as did his mother, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace. So, so dad's at a, at a dance after he gets out of the Navy. And here he is, this cocky, like 22-year-old sailor. And he sees 
I, I love the way he said, I saw this foxy looking dame. He was talking about <laughs> my mom, you know, and uh, he thought she was like 30 years old because of the way she was dressed. Well, what happened was my mom worked in the fashion industry at this uh, high-end department store. And she, she said, well, I got all the designer clothes wholesale. So she'd be decked out to the nines. She was only 19 years old. And, and so he met her and they said that they clicked and it wasn't this animal magnetism uh, sexual thing. It was, mom said it was, there was something different. And my dad was a perfect gentleman and on like their third date, because they would go dancing, she said, well, I've got to tell you something. She said, I see spirits. And my dad, I'll, I'll leave out the, how he responded like a sailor. He said, <laughs> well, blankety blank, so do I. <laughs> and wow. Yeah. And so in my research on, on um, genetics, this is what's known as a recessive genetic trait. And what that means, Amy, is that it can skip a generation. It's like being left-handed. You know, whether mm -hmm. you're right-handed or left-handed is a genetic predisposition. And only 10% of the people in the world, roughly, are left-handed. And so when you get two parents with the same recessive trait, then the likelihood of one of their children having that trait increases. So now I have two. An so older do we brother. know what gene this is? Um, we're still studying this. I mean, uh, it's, it's, there are so many factors that go into, to these type of things. I mean, it's like, there's all types of, there's a reason why you look like your parents. There's a reason that blue eyes runs in some family, ginger colored hair runs in the other certain diseases, like in the African-American um, community, sickle cell anemia, whereas in, in other communities, certain types of cancer are all genetic. And there are genetic therapies now where they're beginning to look at the DNA strands and, and try to determine, oh, well, what happens with this gene? And, uh, you know, uh, and, and if this is present, will it result in this? So, so I come along and I'm about three and a half years old, and I start talking to my invisible friends, except for the fact that mommy and daddy saw them too. And I'll never forget mm. mom going, oh, he's got it. And dad's response was, oh, he's got it. <laughs> um, so they had very different uh, feelings about this. Um, my father was, was very concerned because his sister, Marjorie, was an extremely gifted psychic medium. And unfortunately, and this was about 20 years before I was born, she was married to a religious fanatic, and I'm being polite here. And he didn't like her abilities. He thought they were somehow evil. And he was a machinist, and he worked at the steel, uh, steel plant in Pennsylvania. So one day he's getting ready to go to work, and Marjorie had terrible misgivings. She said, I'm getting this terrible feeling in my stomach, that gut feeling. And she begged him not to go. Oh, I'm going, I'm going. And she said she threw a fit. So it's fine, fine, I'll stay home. Well, what happened, Amy, is that day this crane was lifting thousands of pounds of steel beams, and the cable snapped, and it and the beams fell and it crushed the machine shop that he worked in and killed everybody in it. Now, assuming he had been at work, there's about a 99% chance that he would have been killed. Mm -hmm. Now, you might think that he would have somehow been grateful, but this scared him even more. 
and he got this psychiatrist colluded with a psychiatrist to diagnose Marjorie as a schizophrenic. And she was literally taken out of her home by these men in white jackets. They actually put her into a straight jacket and they took her to a mental hospital and she remained there for over six months while she was subjected to electroshock therapy and, and ice water therapy. And my father said that after that, he goes, he used to call her Marge. He said, Marge was a shadow of what mm -hmm. she'd once been. She never talked about seeing spirits again. And so I didn't realize why dad was upset or I'd say concerned because when I was five years old, I started first grade. And before I, I started, he sat me down and he said, Mark, you only talk about this to your mother and me. You don't talk about this in school because people who talk about to people who see things that others don't will get taken away. Mm. Oh my gosh. I mean, that really, that really scared me, but he wasn't trying to scare me. He was, he was trying, trying to, to protect you. Yeah. yeah. And, and as I got older, then they, they told me when I was old enough to understand and, and I put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So, you know, it's, you know, people think, that oh that must be really great and yeah yes it's it's an it's an honor it's a gift it's very humbling it comes with a lot of responsibility being able to communicate with spirits but throughout the centuries and even to this day we are mercilessly persecuted um there's people in there's people like me in 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 parts of the world um generally in the middle east that this is punishable by death so so uh, you know, and of course, I got to put up with the haters and the, and the ignorant and then the fearful uh, through social media. And um, but, you know, everyone I know who puts themselves out there, no matter what it is that they do, has to put up with, with that. So, yes, it's a gift, but it certainly comes with a price. And I'm sure you've seen that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a real reason why for many years I never said anything to anybody. Um, what do you say to people who so because the way you're talking about it is it's a ge genetic component and you either have it or you don't right um I, I personally don't believe i have that genetic piece but i still i i do feel like i have i come from a family of as we were talking earlier sensitives intuitives my mom is very intuitive my grandma was very intuitive but they never sp saw spirits or talked about sp seeing spirits so if you aren't um, if you aren't gifted in the way that you have a fa family members who also have this, um, can, can it, is it something that can be developed? Um, yes, to an extent. Um, for example, I, I, you know, I can swim, but I'll never be an Olympic athlete. I can play a guitar, but I'm never going to be a slash at Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton. Um, I can do math, but I'll never be a Stephen Hawking or a Max Tegmark. You know, we're all good at different things. And we're all capable of having a mediumistic and a psychic experience, even if we're not psychics or mediums. And I'm glad that you asked that because I was trying to figure out how do I explain this when I was working on, on my book, The Afterlife Frequency. And so it, it's funny because uh, um, when you're a writer, we all have to grapple with writer's block. 
It's that horrible thing. And it always seems to happen when you've scheduled a day off to simply work on the book. (laughs) And and there I am, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm nothing. Right, not right. a, not zero. And I thought, okay, instead of trying to force, force this, cause that'll never happen. Let me go for a walk. So I head down my driveway. I figure I'll go for a walk on the beach. I live near the ocean. That always clears my head and helps me relax. And as I'm heading down my driveway, I get these tingles, electrical sensations. And I'm, I realize, okay, this is spirit activity. And so I, and all of a sudden I feel drawn to do an about face. So I'm not walking towards the beach now, I'm walking towards this bike path. And now, by now it's 11 a.m., walking down the bike path and these two objects are shining in the light. So I walk up to them and I look down and it's a nickel and a penny. And I hear my mother's voice in my head, okay? Because both my parents are in spirit and I hear my mother, if, it's, if their head's down, it's bad luck. And I started laughing because my mother's family was Italian and Italians have a superstition for all occasions. <laughs> and if a coin's head down, it's bad luck. And then I hear dad's voice, it's money, grab it. <laughs> so I'm laughing and I, and I pick up the coins and I'm holding them there and they go, oh, six cents. And they go, wait a second, sixth cents. And the cold chills and tingles intensify. So I knew that I was supposed to be right here, right now. And in my mind's eye, suddenly I see my father standing in the ocean up to his waist, and he's holding this blue canvas raft and, and that he had when I was a kid. And we used to go, uh, you know, we used to go rafting and, you know, riding waves on it. And then he's holding this raft. And I'm like, raft? And then I hear my parents' voices recognize the presence of spirits, accept the contact is real feel it without fear, trust the message. And I realized, oh my God. And so I run back and writer's block is gone and it just comes out of me. <clears throat> they walked me through the raft technique. All right. They, they, the writer's block on that particular day was part of a bigger picture. Mm. So when I'm walking on this bike path and I, and I recognized that I needed to go for a walk, and, and I saw the coins and I picked them up and I got the cold chills and tingles. So I recognized the signs from spirits. I immediately accepted it as real. It's the third part, the F part, where people get jammed up. Feel without fear, feel without overthinking. This is where people go wrong. Oh, this must be a coincidence. Oh, it's my imagination. Oh, this can't be. You got to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Feel it and then trust the message. R-A-F-T. And it, 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 in, in this applies not just to circumstances like this, but also what if you have a dream and it feels very real where someone you love has died and they come and they communicate with you? What about if you have a near-death experience? What about a shared death experience where someone you love is dying and you and others may be in close proximity and you may see some of the spirits that person's interacting with or even get caught up in their life review. Yeah, um, we just had, um, I just had William Peters on the show who just wrote at Heaven's Door about sh- all about shared death. 
Right. And see, my book actually goes further than that and not only explains what shared death experiences are, but actually explains how they happen and why they happen. And it's all tied into my theory of the electromagnetic soul. Okay, so a deathbed vision where people are in the process of transitioning and they see spirits around them, they also pick up on on um, at bystanders their their brainwave frequency overlaps with that and they will experience what the dying person is so so i actually provide a logical and scientific explanation for why this happens and the raft technique can be used to understand all of these different phenomena and so i realized that when this happened this was a very monumental part of what I was writing about, and it presents an easy way for anybody, anybody, whether you're a medium or not, to have a mediumistic experience and how to get maximum benefit out of it. And so that's the beauty of spirit communication is when you recognize, accept, feel, and trust. I'm going to talk about the trust for a minute. We live in very, very strange times. Um, as the day of this broadcast, we very well may be at the door of the Third World War, and I pray every day for that not to happen. There are people in the world who say that they're receiving messages um, to start an insurrection or to put on a bomb vest and blow people up. Those are not messages from spirits. Those are not messages from the divine. Those are messages from the human ego, which is edging God out. True messages from the divine, true messages from spirits are never about anger, bigotry, hatred, or violence. They're always about love, healing, resolution, protection. Mm -hmm. So when you receive a message from a spirit, it will never tell you the spirits or God, or, you know, and, and spirits are an extension of this, mm -hmm. this greater divine, never tell you to put on a bomb vest, never tell you to start an insurrection, never tell you to harm another person. They tell you to love, love one another, um, to treat people the way you want to be treated, or to protect somebody from harm. So what is the afterlife frequency? The afterlife frequency is, is the other side. That's the dimension that we're tuning into. And in the book, I talk about an analogy between AM and FM radio. Mm -hmm. so we'll, talk, we'll say that our material world dimension is AM radio, okay? Because everything is energy. And, so and it's I, boring and slow. And... Well, not necessarily boring <laughs> and slow. Um, believe me, sometimes life can be very interesting. And interesting isn't always a good thing. Okay. Um, uh, friends of mine that are Jewish, they say that there's a saying among the Jewish people that it's the curse of Jewish people to live in interesting times, you know, and, and you know, there, there's ways of looking, uh, of looking at that. But, um, but yeah, I like when you said slow and boring. Yes, from an ener energetic standpoint, it's, it's slower, a slower, denser vibe, um, um, mm -hmm. uh, frequency. The other side is FM radio. Now, there are two different systems, two different energetic systems that coexist. However, 
there comes a time when the frequency of, of AM radio can be enhanced and the frequency of FM radio can um, be lowered to where you get a frequency alignment. Um, how many times have maybe you been listening to an FM radio station and you're on a highway and you drive past an AM radio station and all of a sudden the FM station, you start hearing uh, overlap. That, that's very, very common. And it's a, that is the crux and the basis for all types of spirit communication. So how do we raise our frequency to a frequency that can connect with the FM frequency? Well, because part of it is we are in dense bodies, right? We have, right. we're heavy. We have a lot of matter to us. Um, so how do we, how do we get out of that? Well, that's part of my, my theory related to the electromagnetic soul, the EMS. And I developed the term, the EMS, the electromagnetic soul to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness, which is a soul, a spirit whatever label you want to assign it. And in the realms of psychology, okay, you know this from your work, it's known as consciousness. In matters of faith, it's known as a spirit or a soul. And there's some, some religious people trying to differentiate between spirit and soul. I don't, okay? I mean, it's, you know, tomato, tomato. And we know from the laws of thermodynamics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. We know from neuroscience, the study of the human brain, that the body has an electrical field and the most complex electrical field is in the brain, ergo the soul. So that when we die, the energy is neither created nor destroyed, it's only transferred to another form, the EMS. Now, that's how does that apply to what you're asking? How do people become more sensitive free, um, uh, to frequency? Well, these are some of the things that I discuss and I teach in my book, The Afterlife Frequency. I give some exercises, some um, how to build your spiritual situational awareness, um, meditation, prayer, but also practicing of being aware when you feel those intuitive signs. So like any skill, it takes some, some time and some practice and the afterlife frequency instructs people on how to do that. So what is, what are biophotons and how do they help us understand communication with those who've died? Alexander um, Mabaroff in the 1920s was a Russian um, scientist, and he theorized that on a cellular level, there were um, ultra weak emissions um, of light, and that our cells would um, uh, flash light. And this has been rediscovered and reaffirmed in recent years. In fact, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, I think it was in 2012, so it's, it's been a while, um, and other scientists, um, Fritz Albert Popp of the Max Planck Institute in, in Germany, uh, which is a physics institute, have discovered that our cells actually emit light. Now, this isn't bioluminescence, like you'll see in some types of jellyfish or in a lightning bug firefly and, and other types of fish. That, you know, bioluminescence is is where chemicals are inter interacting inside of an organism that produce light. These, these biophotons 
are on the cellular level and are essentially invisible to the human eye. However, it indicates that our body is a matrix of light and that our cells um, communicate through these flashes of light. You know, if you drop a bowling ball on your foot, it hurts right away. Why? Because it moves at the speed of light to your brain. That impulse moves at the speed of light uh, through your brain. So biophotons are light. And we know that light is energy, light contains information, and light is electromagnetic energy. In fact, the only form of electromagnetic energy visible to the human eye. And I know earlier I said, well, we can't see biophotons. It's because it's such a ultra weak flash of light on a cellular level, but that doesn't mean that it's weak as in being deficient of its ability to transmit information. So our body is a matrix of light. Now, isn't it fascinating that Albert Einstein said over 100 years ago that we are all light beings? Both literally and literally. <laughs> exactly. So when, so if someone, like sometimes I feel like out of the corner of my eye, I will see a flash of light. Is that spirit energy then? You betcha. Be? Okay. You betcha. In fact, this is one of the lectures that I give is, is why do you see out of your peripheral vision a flash of light or get the impression that you see the spirit of a loved one in your peripheral vision, right? Ever catch a glimpse of what you think is a spirit in a mirror? No. You haven't? No. Oh, oh, yes, I have. I looked at myself. I know you have. <laughs> okay, ever try to look at a comet in the sky? Yes, actually, last year I saw one. Now, isn't it easier to look at the comet, not with your direct vision, but your peripheral vision? This is a technique that astronomers had developed known as averted vision, because we observe comets at night, and the subtle light patterns are more easily observed through our peripheral vision. Now, why is that? That is because within the eye, there are um, there's many structures, but there's cones and rods. Rods are on the periphery of the pupil, and rods are extremely light sensitive, but not color and, and detail sensitive. Whereas the cones, which are in the center of the eye, that's your daytime vision, which is designed to detect details and color. So what's happening is you're seeing a spirit in your peripheral vision because that part of your eye is designed to detect the subtle electromagnetic energy, the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, which is a spirit. So you're picking up on that. And then when you turn to look at it, you're switching from peripheral to direct vision and you think that the spirit has vanished, but they haven't. It's just that you're not using the proper part of your eye to observe them. And so that's why I use the analogy of looking at a comet, because it's the same technique. And in paranormal investigations, which I've, I've been on several, um, that's why the spirit vanished. Oh, no, he or she or they did not. It's that you're not observing them with the correct part of your eye. And it, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, because, you know, that's our natural instinct is to turn and to look. 
And there's a reason why, you know, a lot of people, when, when spirits are depicted, how are they depicted? Transparent, mm-hmm. gray, guess what? That's how your peripheral vision sees things is in the black, gray, and white scales. Ergo, you see spirits tending to have that transparent look. And it's the same thing in a mirror. That's why a lot of people, you know, I've been to these conferences. Oh, use my special mirror. Look, what a mirror does is it's recreating the averted vision. So you can look into a mirror and you will begin to pick up on images of spirits because you're artificially recreating averted vision, which is essentially a peripheral vision activity. So are they not transparent then? Because aren't they not in a body? So they're not in a solid matter. What they do, spirits are the EMS, the electromagnetic soul. And when they're aligning their frequency with yours, what they do is they project an energetic impulse to create a point of reference that you can understand. So if you pick up, and like when when spirits connect with me initially, I will see them the way they looked prior to passing. So maybe somebody was 95 years old and and, and very old, they'll initially appear that way. Then in other cases, they may adjust their image to look like a younger version of themselves. Conversely, when I make contact with spirits of, of babies that died in utero or very young, what spirits do, and this is what how they work with me, I will see a ball of light, like a little star. And, it, and it's so beautiful, but you know, it's also, it really pulls on my, my heartstrings because I know that this is a baby that did not come to term. And I'll see that initially. And then the spirit may, you know, because if, because see, the spirit of a baby, they're not goo goo gaga when they, when they communicate. You know, people think, well, that's a baby. How can they talk to us? A spirit is an immortal living being. An electromagnetic soul that pre-existed the body comes into the body, moves on after the body died. So as an immortal living being, they're perfectly capable of complex communication. It's just that they're appearing in a form, in a point of reference that we can understand them. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense to me. Yeah, they're, 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 I don't want to say lowering their vibration, but they're shifting their vibration to communicate with us in a way that our minds can digest and make sense of. So that wraps up part one of my interview with Mark Anthony. As so many of you hopefully heard in the beginning and didn't just forward through it, um, this, this interview was so amazing. I did not want to cut it off. I wanted to keep it going, but as a result, it is in two parts. So thanks for listening to part one. And stay tuned for part two. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.